0: Welcome. You are listening to the Fat and Furious podcast. In this podcast series, your host, Steve Bennett, father of seven, best selling author and adventurer, will be joined by 23 of the world's most forward thinking medical professionals doctors, authors, and top nutritionists, where he'll share the truth behind living healthier and happier for longer.
1: Today, I'm joined by nutritionist, Jenny Phillips. Today, I'm joined by Jenny Phillips, who has written lots and lots of books around health and nutrition. She's also a yoga instructor, in that what she doesn't know about looking after the body, the mind, and our gut really isn't worth knowing. And you're gonna find out exactly why I make that statement during the next hour. Jenny, thank you for joining me today. Uh, for those that don't know you, they're going to know you very shortly because I've got so many books that you've co-written. Uh, tell everybody about yourself.
0: So I'm Jenny Phillips, and I am a nutritionist and yoga teacher, and so very much operating in the health space. Um, and it, I just love working in this field, and writing the books is fantastic because that gets the word of good nutrition out to a wider um, audience so that's really how I got involved in in the writing of the books some of which are behind me I don't know if you can see them
1: yeah I mean so so many of them so let's start <laughs> with your the very first one you did which was uh, Eat uh, to outsmart cancer or outsmarting cancer I know sadly that you you suffered from cancer yourself in the past tell everybody about your story about that book and then maybe we'll get on to some of the more new books
0: Cool. Um, so yeah, that's obviously, um, sort of my intro into healthy living. And, um, so I was diagnosed in 93. Um, I was 39 years of old age and, uh, had two small children. So I thought I was really healthy and it was an utter shock to be diagnosed. I had absolutely brilliant treatments and, um, I did make a full recovery, but of course, you know, the worry is, um, that you're worried about a recurrence and that's really where I set about on my own path to find a way to improve my chances if you will um, because I was given a 50% chance of a recurrence which I just didn't like those numbers. Um, I was young, had a young family and uh, I just wanted to make sure that I played all my cards and so that interestingly took me into my journey to uh, nutrition and health. And it's quite interesting, Steve, because I really was your textbook, um, followed the healthy eating guidelines to an absolute T before I was diagnosed. And I certainly don't eat anything like that now. Um, So I was your low fat, starchy carbs at every meal, low salt, plenty of seed oils. um, And it just didn't take me to a good place. And so, as part of researching my way towards an optimal health, I discovered nutrition. Thankfully, and my fir- if I just explain, my first uh, degree is in chemistry, so I'm a bit of a science boffin anyway. And I was able to just like nosedive straight into um, the research and make changes that had phenomenal impact on me as a person. Um, Prior to being diagnosed, I was taking a number of over-the-counter medications, and I thought that's what everybody did. (laughs) They don't. They really don't. So um, I I remember I I took antacids for indigestion. I had terrible hay fever. I had asthma inhalers from the age of eight years old, Um, lived a bit on night nurse, didn't sleep very well. Um, And so what happened is as I changed my lifestyle, I didn't need any of these medications. And my health today, bearing in mind, I'm in my late 50s, compared to where I was in my 30s is no comparison. It's a bit like reverse aging. And who doesn't want a bit of that, hey? Um, So I was able to find my own way initially, really look at the science and how misleading some of Um, our messaging is, I believe. And I when we got so into it, as you can imagine. Um, I actually went on and did a a further degree in nutritional medicine. And I teamed that up with a yoga qualification, which I've been teaching yoga for 10 years now. Um, But the last couple of months in lockdown have been phenomenal. Yoga is definitely something that is very popular when we're all at home. And I can't believe it can be delivered over the internet
1: well, let's definitely pick up on that towards the end because I didn't know you were doing the yoga. Um, so let's pick up on that towards the end. Does it make you frustrated at all then that we still have, you know, you were living to those guidelines, you were very intelligent, you'd already got one degree, you already knew about science, but you were following to the, of the law that whatever that is, that uh, 30% carbs and, and so on and so forth. Um, and, you know, you're very, very intelligent, um, but you were eating what you were told to eat. Does it kind of make you a bit angry now that we're still peddling those same guidelines to every age, every sex, every whether they've got diabetes already or not? And Does that make you a bit angry that we're still sort of pushing those guidelines?
0: Absolutely, because I just don't see people generally that do very well on them. Um, And in my clinical practice, I I, I see a lot of people and they are doing as I was, following the letter of the rules. And what is just... um, mind-blowingly rewarding and uh, i know a lot of doctors like dr onwin are seeing this and have been doing for five years or more um, is that if if the changes are made and low carb is our favorite option because that takes you back to i guess the traditional way of eating real food you know food that's unprocessed food that's ingredients and uh, that the changes in people's health in such a short time span are phenomenal so i think it's very very exciting yeah, I don't think everybody needs to go massively, strictly low carb, because depending on your metabolism and exercise levels, you may be able to tolerate more. I think the problem is saying that they're the foundation foods. I don't think they are. So you get your right foundation foods. And then if you still need extra calories, you may have a have, have some extra carbs. But actually, middle age, not many of us need extra calories, let's face it.
1: So you talk about a lot of changes that you made at the very, very beginning. Let's pick up on one or two to start off with. Uh, you mentioned that you know they, they still promote seed oils. Uh, tell us about the dangers of seed oils and, and what you've changed. Your what's what's your favourite oil these days?
0: Yeah, so uh, seed, seed oils is there's quite a lot of, of discussion about um, because obviously we're in a situation where um, there's heavy heavy marketing. Um, uh, of of what we call seed oils. Some people might call them vegetable oils. But I'm thinking about things like sunflower oil, canola oil, uh, that sort of thing. And the big deal is um, fats are great long chains of carbon atoms. Here's the chemistry coming in. So you've got great long chains. And when you've got an unsaturated oil, you have double bonds. And what happens is when you heat those oils, they oxidize. So the double bond pops open and oxygen sit on the top. That's called an oxidized oil, and that is not good for a human body. Um, Whereas uh, a saturated fat, such as dripping lard, the old fashioned ones, butter, coconut oil, uh, they don't have these double bonds. And so irrespective of smoke point, that's not relevant, Um, but actually does your oil oxidize? If it's a saturated fat, no, it doesn't. Therefore it is safe to heat. Uh, if it's polyunsaturated, it will oxidize and that can cause oxidative stress and damage in the body. And I think that was, I'm not saying there was one thing that gave me cancer. There absolutely wasn't, but I was using a lot of seed oils. And secondly to that, of course, is the manufacturing process. They're highly refined, deodorized, chemicalized, um, and I have not touched them since 1993. So what do I use instead? Um, I use a lot of dripping. I don't know if did did your grandma used to have a pot of dripping on the side in the kitchen.
1: Yep, she did indeed. And I mean, yeah, I'm I'm using personally ghee. I'm using olive oil. uh, Obviously, Amigas MCT eight. I I I buy specifically. We don't have one in our company, but I buy one specifically for uh, uh, for some sorts of foods. But I'm going to ask you about dripping. When you say dripping, is it off your own cooking, or can you actually buy it in a jar?
0: I'm sure you can buy it in a jar, but no. Um, who doesn't like a bit of free food? Um, and we, we have an amazing farm near us. I really um, make an effort to go out to a farm. Bit of a plug. It's the one around the corner from Chequers, the um, country home of the Prime Minister, uh, Butmore M Farm. It's fabulous. The animals are all incredibly well looked after. They're they're out on the land. Um, and I, I use everything. And I keep them. Um, at the moment, I'm, I've got lamb fat, and, um, and it's gorgeous. I keep it in the fridge. Grandma used to keep it on the side, um, but I, I feel better keeping it in the fridge. And if you cook with it, do you know how sometimes when you use oil, it kind of you have to keep adding oil in? When, you, when you've when you got these natural fats, they just seem to coat the food better and they cook beautifully and, of course, impart a lovely flavor. And they're free. So they're, that, they get my thumbs up. Yes, I do use a lot of olive oil. I use olive oil in salads. Um, and, and if I'm doing some light cooking, I might use it. Um, coconut oil so same as you with the um, medium chain triglycerides Um, yeah I get a lot of questions about um, rapeseed oil um, because that's very rich in omega-3 but it's a polyunsaturated oil so again do not heat it you might if you've got a cold pressed um, not chemicalized um, rapeseed oil you might want to use it on a salad but cold not warmed because it will oxidize
1: Yeah. And and, and the key thing is, when you're doing any of those seed oils, really make sure you understand the process it went through. You know, It needs to have not had a chemical process to extract the seeds. And that's the problem, isn't it? If you don't know, then leave the seed oils, which sounds balmy to people at first, because they go, you're always promoting eating seeds and nuts in your book. That's fine, (laughs) because they're unprocessed, the seeds and nuts. But the second you try and extract an oil from it, it's like, how did they extract it? If it's cold pressed, or if you've even done it yourself, fantastic but if it you know if it's not cold pressed then the amount of chemicals they use into to extract it I, I i believe and tell me if, if you think differently but i think even the extraction process may be damaging the molecules while they're doing it
0: yeah if they're using yeah um, chemical means so the wording you want to look for on the body on the bottle is mechanical means and whilst i'm talking about bottles can i also say please try and get a glass bottle preferably darkened glass these are very fragile uh, molecules and they need protection they need sunglasses on Um, a lot of the bottles have moved over to plastic Um, personally i I don't buy plastic bottles for, for olive oil i look for glass
1: yeah uh, absolutely. And for lots and lots of reasons, not just protecting the oil, but also protecting the planet, which we're obviously big fans absolutely. on uh, uh, here. Uh, and also, uh, what about, you know, certainly olive oil. I always keep mine in the fridge. My mum said, that's a nonsense. You don't need to do that. But again, you you want to be consuming your oils, don't you? Quite soon, you know, quite often people go, oh, I've had that olive oil there for years. Oh, yeah. you know, you, you really once you. Wouldn't you once you pop the lid on it, use it sparingly, get going with it, leave it in the fridge, keep it cool, keep it out of direct sunlight, because um, oils are, I, I take it, I suppose, all oil oils are quite fragile.
0: They, they are. Um, personally, I, I, don't, I keep um, oil, olive oil in the pantry. If you, I don't know if you find this, Steve, but if you keep it in the fridge, it gets a little bit um, sedimenty. Yep. Um, so, uh, and to be honest, the rate we get through bottles of olive oil, <laughs> it's not hanging around long. Yeah. <laughs> it really isn't. We use a lot of oil in this house.
1: Yeah, I, t- I tell you, before I went primal, <laughs> yeah. I'd probably get through. Not a, 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 if I was using olive oil, I'd probably get through that in like a couple of months. We can do one in a week at home. Oh I, yeah, we absolutely. Can get in a week. Use It's <laughs> Good for your skin, though. Yeah. Good
0: for your skin.
1: <laughs> Great for your skin. Um, I tell you what. I mean, it, it, not be careful if you're the sort of person that burns. But if you if you like got good skin, and you're out in the sun put olive oil on and it's an actual natural factor seven from mother nature. Mm, uh, I and, didn't know and, that. Yeah, and coconut oil uh, is effectively a factor eight. So uh, anybody, or mm-hmm. my friends that watch the programs will know whenever they're on holiday with <laughs> me, I just stink like a coconut because I've just covered myself <laughs> with coconut oil. <laughs> <laughs> so that's our oils. Now, let's do quickly uh, some plugs for the books that you've been involved with, um, then because we can get on to diabetes. Uh, you've worked with the Chaldeces, are a beautiful, wonderful <coughs> couple. Uh, you've worked with them on uh, the Diabetes Weight Loss Cookbook, and then the brand new one, the Reverse Your Diabetes Cookbook. But surely, Jenny, diabetes is irreversible. It's uh, progressive. It's uh, all these things that doctors always thought. Can you really reverse your diabetes or put it in remission?
0: You can reverse. Be careful with remission because um, we, get this, we can get this carb creep, whereas if you go back to your old ways, it, it will more than likely come back again. So we, we prefer to say reverse because, as you as you rightly say, previously, diabetes was thought to be a progressive condition that needed more and more medications um, and, and quite a reduction in quality of life as well. Um, as you move on to drugs like insulin, um, we know that that's fat storage hormone. It makes weight control very difficult. And also because if you're shunting uh, your calories into fat stores rather than using those energy, you just feel terrible as well. So um, quite a grim prognosis, but we have rediscovered, because we knew this 100 years ago, we have rediscovered that it's starchy carbs that are driving uh, blood sugars. And that uh, brings an amazing revelation that if we stop eating the starchy carbs, which Dr. David Unwin describes as glucose molecules holding hands... Um, starchy carbs break down to glucose very, very quickly, um, then yes, we absolutely can reverse diabetes. Um, in some people, that means that they no longer require medication. In other people, it, they may still require medication, but less than if they were on a, um, what do you call it, a Western diet I won't call it a traditional diet because a traditional diet is what we're advocating. Um, but uh, the so, modern, so, so, di- modern diet, yeah. we don't want to be on
1: a modern diet. Let's call it what the Americans call it. They call it the sad. standard American diet, which I love because it says sad. <laughs> so if you use, you're eating in the normal, westernized, cultured world where everything's packaged food and processed foods, you're eating a sad diet. Yeah. But isn't it fantastic? And you, you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, William Banton, uh, an English gentleman, wrote about this. Uh, I think it was in the 1860s that the way to revert, you know, lose weight is uh, to you know cut out all the starches. Um, and for, but for doc, like you say, doctors forgot this, and for literally 60, 70 years, progressive, it's chronic, and it just just gets worse and worse and worse. Um, and the, the group of people you work with, the, you know, the Unswins the Chaldeces. You know, apparently now, and with the help of diabetes.co.uk, there's over a 100,000 people that have reversed their, their diabetes. So uh, fantastic. And I think the great thing that, that you've done with uh, the chaldeces is you've made it interesting. Because people, I think the big fear for many people is they're going to go low carb. They've got all their favorite foods. They don't know where to start. And they think, oh, life will never be as good, never be as exciting. I won't enjoy my food as much as I used to. But yeah, you guys have come up with some fabulous, fabulous recipes that, that again, make cooking and eating exciting.
0: I think um, that's a really important point because if you kind of go back to the 1970s when processed food began to um, come into our lives, it was very much on a platform as kind of, you don't need to cook, we can take care of it for you. And I think, unfortunately, we, we have lost the art if I can if I can put it like that lost the art of loving our kitchens and I think that is a serious health problem because actually your kitchen is your is your health haven in a way and if you can make it enjoyable and tasty and delicious then what's not to like
1: yeah absolutely so give us some tips then you mentioned starchy carbs uh, but but what else? So we, we mentioned oils. Be careful on the oils that you select. I keep it simple. I okay, don't over. Obsessed with its saturated, polyunsaturated, uh, 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 you know, saturated fats. Mostly obsessed whether it's real or fake. <laughs> um, and if you can get it straight from your food, from your avocados, and you can get it straight from your, your your coconuts, are fantastic. All the better and olives. Um, what What other tips are there in sort of you know losing weight? What other tips are there on top of maybe cutting down um, sort of the processed uh, sort of carbohydrates? Uh, have you got any more brilliant tips for us?
0: I think the, the thing I see most in clinic um, is confusion around protein, particularly animal protein. So a lot of people thinking that it's a healthy option to cut down your meat intake. Now, um, I, I think meat should be modest and meat should be well-sourced and high quality, but it's, it is a foundation food. So the starting point is um, where is your protein so you've got you've got options you've got meat fish eggs dairy including yogurts uh, cheese Um, they're kind of your protein and fat foundation food and then you've got um, another option which is your protein and carb foundation food which is your pulses but actually if you look at um protein content per hundred grams, which is kind of thinking about portion size, um, then pulses are way, way down in terms of their delivery of, of amino acids to, to, to a human. So if you're if anyone is massively cutting out down on their, their animal products, then um, they just need to make sure that they've got a wide enough range of protein foods. And if, and if someone is actually going to a vegan, which um, particularly among our young people is very popular, I think we have to honor their beliefs, uh, help them to understand in a greater context. And, uh, and it might be that they have to also take supplements because you make yourself quite ill over the long term, or medium term, not long term, medium term. If you are excluding protein foods too strongly. So, start point for me, foundation foods. If you, if you will have animal foods, that's great. Um, nuts and seeds come in there as well, of course. Um, but if not, then vegetarian is fine because if you eat eggs and fish and um, cheese and pulses, that's great. No problem with that at all. But if you go below that, you might might need to consider your sources of protein. So an average adult minimum needs to, be, for a woman, 50 to 60 grams of protein. Um, a chicken breast will deliver about, well, 100 grams of chicken will deliver about 25 grams of protein. And 100 grams of chickpeas will deliver just under seven.
1: Yeah, I think, can I pick up on two things that you've just mentioned there? Uh, can I, and, and again, correct me if, if you think I'm wrong on any of these. Um, If you are a meat eater, and you're eating your veg, and you're eating your meat, like you say, always try and go organic, try and go natural, because again, all these things can be, you know, the difference between uh, red meat that's organic and red meat that's highly processed, they're they're chalk and cheese in terms of certainly the the, the fatty amigas that we get out of them. But, you know, if you've got a nice balanced diet of your greens and your meats and so on and so forth, I think you can actually just forget protein, because you get protein in everything that's natural and away you go. Absolutely. Um, um, Just then obsess about how good your quality of fats are and are you cutting down enough of the processed carbs? But I want to pick up on what you just said again, honouring the respects, especially the younger generation that are deciding to go vegan or vegetarian. I think, We must honor their respects, but I think we have to paint a picture for them that says, look, there's three reasons really why most people, I can't think of any others, but you either do it because you just love animals and you have religious reasons, et cetera, et cetera. You may do it because you think it's got health benefits, or you may be doing it because you think it saves the planet. And I would say to anybody, if you're doing it because you think it saves the planet, you need to watch all my podcasts with the likes of Patrick Holden from the Soil Association with Dr. Robert Lustig, because I'll tell you otherwise, because it does not say. If you're eating meat that's organic, that's been grass fed, it's part of actually the solution, not the problem. If you're doing it for health reasons, as you've just mentioned alluded to, you're gonna be missing out on so many vital vitamins and minerals. It's certainly not the healthier option at all forget those headlines that say red meat causes cancer where's the proof where's the evidence that's what we've grown up we're designed to eat meat but you can't deny that our intestines are a certain shape and size and we, we are meat eaters at the end of the day but if you but if you want to go vegetarian just because you love animals you're absolutely right we honor your rights in fact we salute you because we actually need more vegetarians because we've got 10 billion people soon on our planet and we won't be able to sustain all us eat meat eaters um uh, but then that's like you, you said. Then then we've got to give them the right advice, haven't we? Because they're going to be missing Absolutely. out on iron and B twelve and huge amounts. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, and, what, what, and what what are the main things they're missing out on if they if they if they go fully vegan? Well,
0: um, amino acids. So so protein protein breaks down to amino acids. Uh, as you've mentioned, B twelve um, uh, an available source of heme iron. Um vitamin A. Now, people think of vitamin A, helps you see in the dark, carrots. That's beta carotene. Actually, what your body really needs is retinol, which you get from animal products. And vitamin C is essential for the uh, mucous membranes of the body. So think sinuses, uh, lungs, digestive tracts. Um, so yeah, I think vitamin A is a uh, retinol is something that um, very often people are are in short supply of. So yeah, so lots lots of nutrients, important nutrients that uh, could be lacking. So so yeah, and and we've got to respect as well our, our young people. Their food is a way of finding your identity. Our job as parents is to keep them safe and to, to help with that education process.
1: Great. But great. To, Great, great advice. Now, uh, let's—we've never had this conversation before. So I'm really excited. Talk to me about uh, yoga, and you know, you, you've obviously come at it from a health benefits point of view. Um, you know, who's it for, uh, and what health benefits can individuals uh, derive from yoga? And actually, let's start with what is yoga. Uh,
0: yoga is a, uh, a a form of exercise um, which which integrates mind, body, spirit, really. And uh, it can be as challenging as you want it to be. But what it delivers is a body that moves well and comfortably without pain. So keeping our mobility is a key part of healthy aging. And so for me, uh, yoga is an amazing thing to practice. It's also very calming. I've recently, in lockdown, I've done a few more qualifications. I did a qualification in uh, breathing practice. And did you know, Steve, the quickest way to change your physiological state, that's between your parasympathetic rest and digest and your fight or flight sympathetic nervous system, is through your breathing. So yeah. that's very useful. Did you know that?
1: Well, I didn't until. And I'll be—I'll confess. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about been doing this health stuff now for about four years, and I didn't really know the importance of breathing until about two months ago. Uh, and I just thought it was like ah, it's all poppycock. It's just you know, it, it how you breathe can't make any difference at all. And then I interviewed uh, Patrick uh, McKeon, who wrote um, uh, the Oxygen Advantage, and and. I learned so much about how we should be breathing in and out through our nose and not our mouths. that right now I'm taping up my mouth in bed at night, every single night, to force myself to breathe properly through my nose. I think I've been doing it wrong for about 53 years.
0: Do you know they did research where they taped um, people's noses up and uh, so they forced them to mouth breathe and there were massive health consequences. Their blood pressure shot up. Who would have thought it? And then when they reversed it, it all came down again. So, yeah, I've just written that name down, actually, the oxygen advantage. Actually, one of the things you're doing when you breathe more efficiently, it's all about carbon dioxide tolerance. So um, it's about managing your carbon dioxide. And uh, so that's why if you want to go into relaxing breath, you take a longer exhale than you do inhale. So that can change your physiological state. That's quite useful to know if you want to improve your sleep. So I'm really fascinated to to hear that you're doing the taping. That's brilliant.
1: Yeah, and I've been doing lots of stuff around it uh, recently because it, he has something called Pat uh, has something called the Bolt Score. I don't know if it's his own or, or whether it's a common thing, but it's about you know how long you can hold your breath or you hold your nose. and and camp and I was terrible at the start so I'm going only going back a couple of months ago I think 15 seconds I was starting to get uncomfortable I'm almost up to a minute now and uh and I'm just sleeping better and and Mm -hmm. and, and it's so relaxing and one thing I didn't know and I'm sorry to go off a tangent because this is your interview but um uh yeah he was saying explaining how the nose is a bit like an iceberg that you only see a small map most of it's sort of a cavity underneath And by breathing in and out the nose, uh, we we know that nitric oxide is important for relaxing uh, the the blood vessels. There's a reservoir of nitric oxide that we can get into our body through our nose that we can't get in through the mouth and just all sorts of fascinating things. And for those that don't know what I'm talking about, watch out for the Patrick McCown uh, one that's all about oxygen and and breathing. But, uh, yeah, fascinating stuff.
0: Yeah, and, of course, nitric oxide explains why there's a benefit in terms of high potential blood pressure um, through nose breathing. So, and where I'm really lucky, Steve, is as all this comes together, because one of the things that I do regularly now is I run retreats. So with uh, uh, yoga and other exercises and fantastic low carb foods. So it just comes together beautifully as a, a whole kind of health immersion really. So I count myself very blessed to be working in this field.
1: Well, it's 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 fascinating that you said you feel better now in your fifties than you did in your thirties, and and I, I was the same. You know, thirties and forties. I thought I was doing the right thing. I was jogging all the time. I was eating what I was told was the right thing. You know, baked potatoes in the evening, Th- you know, <laughs> and, and thinking I'm doing such a good thing, but I can't work out why I'm still a beast. You know, the whole time doing what I'm told. I'm having salads and baked potatoes. Then you know, I'm having pasta loading before a marathon, and and I'm running. At, you know, marathons at 32 percent body fat, and it's just. It's like I'm so angry that actually it's completely opposite what they tell you, and some of these things. And I'm the same. I'm in my mid-fifties and feel so much better than I have since probably my mid-to-late twenties. And it's just so, so frustrating. But then when you add the breathing onto the right eating, when you get out and walk more, and as you can try and relax a little bit more, and with, you know with your yoga and so on. We really can, and that's what I really admire about you. You know, you you took you you had your cancer diagnosis, and rather than go, oh, I'm just gonna rely on medication, you went, No, what can I do? And I think I'm just trying to encourage more and more people to just to sit back from all the advice, do their own research and just try and work out what's right for them.
0: And I think that's where both of us have written books, and, and that's our kind of gift to the world, isn't it? So that we can share these great stories. Your podcasts are reaching so many people. The books we write reach so many more people. Um, and we can have our own little grassroots revolution. And there, there are lots of people following low-carb now with tremendous success. So we should celebrate those things. But, yeah, wouldn't it be nice if the official guidelines took us to the right place?
1: So I, I, I don't think they're going to change. And I, I, and I know I did all those surveys and I know I did all those uh, getting people to register and we were going to go to the government. I've got a feeling that we're going to be unsuccessful in changing them. I think it could be different because Boris, of course, has got his own issues. Uh, it could change, but I think the way it changes really is with our spending power. So the more people we can educate about, Changing their eating habits, the more we can educate people to go organic rather than not, then all of a sudden the government are gonna to have, to, to have to subsidize the right things because right now they're subsidizing all the wrong things, which means wrong food is cheap, mainly because of the subsidies, and good food is, yeah, you know, those poor farmers trying to do it the right way are getting no help at all. And we can change that balance of getting the government to subsidize the right things, I think, but only when we start spending our money in different ways.
0: And it was great, obviously, with the talks of the the U.S. trade deal. And that's, as a nutritionist, that is scary stuff because we know how important the animal husbandry is. Um, uh, But the petition uh, from the NFU reached over a million signatures and the government have now put in a trade body to oversee. So we wait with bated breath. But, um, yeah, lowering our food standards is not in our interest from a health point of view.
1: Yeah. As Dr. I,
0: I, Terry Wald says, you you pay now or you pay later. You buy good food or you pay uh, with your with your health and your life. Really.
1: Yeah, and just for those who don't know what we're talking about, I'll give you just one example of how the U.S. standards aren't as good as the U.K. standards. So in the U.K., if you put the word organic on something, it had to grow in soil. Just just one example. So, uh, and this is frightening as well. If it doesn't say organic and it's a uh, what we call a vegetable that goes in your salads. It never grew in soil. And that's frightening. Okay, of course, it grew in soil. But it didn't. It doesn't matter whether you, which big supermarket you're in. Unless it says organic, it didn't grow in soil. It grew what they call hydroponically in this like wall. That. However, in America, their standards are so different to ours that they can still say organic, even if it didn't grow in soil. It's, I mean, it's just mind-boggling standards. And so we have to be very, very careful about letting... Uh, other countries, countries, that have got lower standards sort of infiltrate uh, in the UK. And certainly when it comes to uh, yeah. to meats, it's, it's, it's horrific. So uh, yeah, we, we have to be careful. Let's wait and see what happens in that space. Now, you've also worked with another good friend of mine, uh, Dr. James Gornick, one of the leading dentists in the UK. Tell us a little bit about um, sugar, kicking sugar. Um, and maybe let's, for the first time together, talk about Where does somebody just start? Maybe somebody has got a sweet tooth. How do they start to make those changes?
0: Well, I think the, the kick sugar book is is a good start. The, um, the diabetes books are slightly further down the low-carb route. So for somebody who's already changed their diet, they're perfect. But if you're just starting um, to find a way forward, I think the, the Kick sugar, sugar book is perfect. So uh, as is always in these books, I write the forwards uh, or the uh, the science part of it. So I explain of the, some of the issues with sugar. Um, interestingly, the research shows that you can change your palate in 14 days. So if you do have, you know, very it, eh, 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 sweet cravings and you think you just can't do without that biscuit, if you can just ride it through 14 days, you will have much better control. And that's half of the battle, isn't it? Not having the cravings. But of course, you can't just take a food out. You have to put good foods back in. Um, so actually, um, the the kick sugar book is, is a great first port of call. And actually, James um, frequently runs on Facebook some 14-day um kind of challenges and he's got one starting on Monday actually I think for £21 you get a copy of the book and access to videos and uh be part of a of a a, yeah a start of a program together so that's quite exciting so it's a nice entry level for somebody who is um got a bit of a sweet tooth
1: yeah and do you sort of agree that yeah it's on some of the day and uh, in fact it's coming up in our new reset program that yeah (laughs) In some ways, it's harder to make food choices. Smoking was bad. We all know that. And the companies were probably quite evil that were were putting all the different things in. But in some ways, food's even... More difficult to give up because the brain's hardwired. You know, we don't have to smoke, but we do have to eat. So if we do have to eat, the brain, you know, is hardwired to eat, 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 and therefore, and the brain's hardwired to look for salt, for sugar, together with that as combinations. It's just hardwired for that. So in some ways, it is harder, as it says in the book, to kick sugar. And um, but what, what you just said, which was really really interesting, then you've got to be. I think you've got to be ready, haven't you, with your substitutes? So that you, know, you used to like that. Let's find something you equally like that's got health benefits rather than health negatives.
0: And this is where the food guidelines are doing such a disservice, because if you're on a low-fat diet, you've limited your options. So the moment you park that and don't follow it, the moment you start to have, you know, rather than, oh, I read someone out the Viennetta ingredients, because that was one of her favourite puddings, and she didn't want it after that. Just look at the packets. Um, So, um, yeah, if, if strawberries and double cream, Winner. And that's, that's a health food. That is a health food. So once you start to switch in these loveliness, then actually it's a lot easier. You can have way more treats than you think. You just don't want more treats that spike your blood sugar.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I explained to somebody the other day, be careful with the words on packaging because natural strawberry flavored doesn't necessarily mean it's natural strawberry flavors. It means it's natural and strawberry flavored. And I watched a program on uh, 60 Minutes in the States and they explained that some of these natural strawberry flavors, the actual strawberry flavor, get ready for this, comes from the gland of the bottom of a beaver. Now, I don't know who tested it for the first time to go, oh, that beaver's bottom tastes a bit like strawberry, but they get away with it on packaging. It says natural strawberry flavor and the strawberry flavor comes from the bum of a beaver i mean we've just you know so yeah you can find people with a vanetta no. pack, the, you know, wording on there but even that's not probably telling the whole truth
0: yeah 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 so you know back to that point let's get in our kitchens let's make our kitchens a place of joy if you like listen to music get a sound system in there if you like watching the news have a telly in there or an ipad um make it a place where you socialize to the best of your ability um I know if, if your kitchen doesn't lend itself, then just make a place for people to congregate because you can, you can chop up veg on a, on a dining table or something. So just do what you can to um, really take back control of your kitchen because that is the secret to your good health.
1: Yeah, so I've touched on the basics, haven't we? We cut the carbs down, especially you keep mentioning the word starch. You cut down the starchy carbs, processed carbs. Try and cut down the sugar, the added sugars that we know about. Watch out for those oils. Make sure they're, they're, they're wholesome, natural oils as opposed to highly processed uh, oils. Uh, and really, the, the great thing is that in a nutshell is it, isn't it? You, know, you just try and get rid of the process, get back to real foods, and then on top of that, add in things like proper breathing, maybe yoga. Uh, and you really are on a way to you know, putting your health back on track
0: if you could bottle it you could sell it for a fortune
1: (laughs) yeah i mean there's so many books out there now saying the same thing i think for most people it's just that where do you start you know how do you how and and i think the start is something you just touched on which is understand that for a few days you're going to miss that sugar but you can reprogram your taste buds within 14 days to seek out different foods
0: yeah and, and then you're not fighting willpower. The trouble is, if you always maintain the carboners, so if you're on a low-calorie, low-fat diet, is you never get over the cravings. That, so you're constantly fighting, and that's why it's it's You can, of course, you can lose weight on a low-calorie diet, but it's hard work, and it's harder to sustain. Whereas this, it really isn't. It's once you get used to it, and yeah, there is more planning, there is more prepping, but it's so worth it because it is your kind of, yeah, your secret card of of good health.
1: And Nina Tyshot said it really well to me once. She said, Steve, it's a bit like this. Yes, maybe it is a bit hard to to get to the right side of food. Maybe you've got a bit more planning, a bit more thinking about it. And maybe it's tough that first few weeks. And so if you're going to try and go all the way to ketosis, yeah, it might be uncomfortable for a few days. But what is more uncomfortable, that one or two weeks of adjusting or a lifetime of being constantly overweight and, and all the problems that brings with it, the snoring, the achy joints, the you know not being able to get up a flight of stairs, that losing your breath, the lack of self-confidence what is harder? Is it harder to maybe spend two weeks making a change or is it harder to live a life where you're a weight that your body is just not designed to carry?
0: And, and the trouble is when what we're saying is is literally the opposite of what the health guidelines are saying is there is there's a, a trust issue and so um, it would be so much easier if, if things were different but they're not so we just have to keep sharing our experiences, encouraging people and and showing successes, which is why Facebook pages like Jason Fung's you know massive um, Friday chat transformation, Post are so wonderful because you see people who have recovered their lives who are like different people through um through these tools of
1: food yeah absolutely and tell me about some of the people that, that you work with do they people tend to come uh seek you out as a nutritionist mainly for weight loss or is it you know obviously with your own story around cancer is it more around preventive around cancer or what what's your typical clientele yeah.
0: A mixed bag, Um, a lot of digestive issues, um, energy, energy is a big one and energy is the flip side of of not not having the right foods to fuel you. Um, Obviously, diabetes uh, and cancer. Yeah, I would say those are my main ones, a bit of hormone work as well. Um, In my practice, I can run some quite advanced clinical tests. So that's really, really helpful if if people do want to make that sort of investment. But I'm also sort of come lockdown, I've I've discovered a new kind of um, zest for group, uh, group coaching. Um, so I'm piloting um, a weight loss group at the moment, actually, on a, on a, on a three week programme. Um, and actually, we're connected via app. So all the food diaries are live, and I can coach real time. So that is proving to be phenomenally powerful. So, uh, so yeah, that's, that's kind of my next project really is, is to uh, refocus on weight loss um, and
1: coaching. And exactly what you said there is so, so important. Those getting in a group, whether it be Jason Fung's, uh, like you say, Fridays or uh, James Goulnix with his group or your group, or we're going to do one called Primal Reset, getting in a group on Facebook or something like that with other like-minded people that go, yeah, I get it guidelines are wrong, or I followed those guidelines for years and I, I was overweight the entire time, so mm. let me try something different. But you need to be in that group because that whole few weeks while you're making that transition and you might get down a little bit, you're constantly having people going, well, you're wrong because you're not calling the God, Oh, that's saturated fat, I've heard, that's dangerous. Oh, what about you? You've got to get a group around you, whether that be online social or doing it with friends, because there will be the naysayers that just believe in the guidelines, but you will know at the end of it yourself when you've done it that what Jenny is saying, what we're saying, what Aseem, uh, Dr. Owen, Jason, the, the whole group are saying is you have to do it for yourself because at the moment the government are peddling guidelines because there's so much tax implications of changing this. I said to somebody the other yeah. day. The reason the governments won't do it, first of all, you know, their job is to stay in government for four years, eight years or whatever. But imagine having to go along to some of these uh, foods that are people's favorites, let's like say McDonald's or KFC or whatever, and go, right, we need you to change this ingredient, this ingredient, this ingredient. And they go, well, it won't taste the same Go, Well, we know it won't taste the same. Um, but they go, well, 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 you know what I mean? so it's like no government wants to say we changed the flavor of Coke, uh, McDonald's, KFC and all these packaged foods for your health in long benefit because then... They'll stop selling, then no tax coming in, no revenue, thousands of people out of job. And the public at the moment that aren't educated will go, well, the government changed my flavour of my McDonald's. What was that all about? So just <laughs> yeah, not gonna I, happen. I, I wouldn't tackle it from there. Um, what I would do is
0: change the guidelines to be truthful, Yeah. to show the types of food. And then what will happen is the food industry will meet that requirement. So you don't have to control what people sell. You have to control the information such that people are seeking foods that make them healthier, and then it will will all come into line. And sure, there'll be some people who who are quite happy eating that. Because let's face it, if you're going to McDonald's every day, you know it's not healthy, um, but you choose to do it. But actually, my, my bigger problem is that we're telling diabetics to eat starchy carbs. I find that to be unacceptable.
1: Yeah, no, hundred percent frightens me. My dad's diabetic type two. Injects himself every morning at nine a.m., and uh, and his doctor, sadly, is an older doctor that never did nutrition. Uh, he's just mm. following the guidelines. say, look, Mr. Bennett, you know, just keep injecting yourself. We might have to put it up again. We've think they've done it twice already in the last year. Might have to put the dosage up again. Uh, but just eat a little bit of everything in moderation. And It's just like Dad, that's nonsense. Yeah. And he goes, but yeah. you know, my doctor's telling me yeah. to, to watch. what yeah. <laughs> i okay, but he's wrong. You know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and don't get wrong. I haven't, given, I, haven't, I haven't given up the campaign to try and get the guidelines changed. We, we, we're still out there doing it. I'm just saying I have to be a realist, and I might not be able to do it. But um, but the thing is, we can change people's education and, and spending patterns, such that yeah, you know, once people change the way they spend their money, companies will have to change the product uh, exactly, that they're selling.
0: Exactly, exactly. And and that's where the sharing the information is is so powerful. So. All credit to you, Steve, for, uh, for, you know, focusing on these podcasts and spreading the word.
1: Well, we keep trying. And thank you for for all your brilliant books. It's been absolutely fab talking to you today. I know we tried a couple of weeks ago and had technology problems, but absolutely uh, great getting uh, you on the show. So uh, I always ask everybody at the end of the podcast two things. First one is uh, five tips for having a what I would call a, a longer health span. I no, can't guarantee people can live longer, but being healthier for longer. Give us your top five tips.
0: Value your kitchen and make it the place you want to be so you cook great food. Um, exercise in something that you really enjoy. So don't force yourself to go to the gym. You know, Do something you really enjoy and makes your heart sing. Choose your relationships carefully. So spend time with people that share your um, your passions. Treat yourself kindly. We're quite harsh on ourselves. And a fifth one, yeah, just know that the food you put in your mouth really does affect your health massively. So, yeah, invest in yourself.
1: Brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. And the last one that some people struggle with. This is a bit left field. Uh, what would you like your legacy to be? Yeah.
0: Um, I like to think that I am championing... Um, this this whole area that you can have a body that works well so i would like people to know that and yeah that doesn't because i've actually thought about my legacy so <laughs> it doesn't kind of offend me at all um but yeah i i just want to be known as somebody who kind of walked the talk and inspired others
1: well you definitely inspire me every time i speak to you uh jelly so uh thanks for coming on the show uh your book uh eat to outsmarting cancer i think he's still uh out there on amazon um and then the more recently been working with uh james gornick on kick sugar which is a great great book um and then two books both well i say both of them i've got both of them uh this one i've cooked several several times with the caldesis but this one's a brand brand new literally a few weeks ago and it's the reverse your diabetes cookbook you don't have to have diabetes to read the book But, yeah, it certainly is either going to reverse it or if you haven't got it, it's going to put you in a really good position to probably avoid it. Thank you so much for being with us.
0: It's an absolute pleasure, Steve. Hope to see you again soon.
1: You will indeed. Thank you, Jenny.
0: If you enjoyed this podcast, then why not subscribe to the full series so you can hear from all the incredible health professionals we spoke to. Before you go, though, visit Amazon today and pick up your copy of Fats and Furious by Steve Bennett. And as a thank you for being a subscriber, we'll even give you a third off.
1: Simply use the discount code FFpodcast and you'll get the full story featuring all 23 medical professionals.